Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. We are going to worship God, but I want to remind you of something, and I mentioned it here in the prayer this morning, that this, it says uh, about the kingdom of God, but it says, lo, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. You know, experientially, sometimes we come to a meeting hoping to have an experience. That is, we're hoping that something from without will affect the things within. And, you know, there are times when God uses somebody else anointing. There is time when God releases rain and touches us. But most of the times that he does that, it's to encourage us. It is to actually uh, encourage us to come back to the fact that actually the kingdom of God is within you. And when God does that from the outside, it's to keep you from fainting. But eventually, he wants to wake you up to the fact that the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, let me say it again, the kingdom of God is inside of you. And you know, when we were praying this morning, one of the things that that I'm, I was trying to encourage everybody is because when I listen to other people pray, and uh, largely, most of, the, most of the time, most everybody who prays Wednesday night or Sunday morning in here, it changes the atmosphere. It adds, it adds to everybody else's praying and waiting on God. And sometimes we think we're the only ones who don't have that effect on others. But the fact is, every time that you release faith, something changes in the room. So, I want you to think about yourself right now, me, myself, and I, you right now, wherever you are, the kingdom of God. I want you to say this. The kingdom of God is within me. Let's say it together. The kingdom of God is within me. I want us to say it again. The kingdom of God is within me. And that's why, you know, when Paul is teaching about this, he says the word of faith, the victory is near you, even in your mouth. He says the, the kingdom of God is within you. And the victory is near you. It's even in your mouth. So how do you realize it? By speaking it, by saying it. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Though all, everything will be shaken, though the, the mountains be cast into the sea, I will not be moved. Now, I don't want you to just give assent to that. I want you to think about it, and I want you to begin to say it in your life. What are the challenges that lay before you right now? What are the things that discourage you right now? What are the challenges? No, in Jesus' name, this too shall pass. And you speak to that mountain. You have to speak to it. You have to speak what you know because the life of God, the kingdom of God, the connection between heaven and earth is inside of you. And what if we could have a whole church of people who believe that? What if we with one voice, with one sound, could begin to say, our God reigns and actually believe it? Because out of you is coming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is inside of you. The kingdom of God is coming out of you. Hallelujah. So, Father, we say, as we sing these songs today, some of them declare truths about the kingdom of God, things we know to be true. We pray that as we sing them, that they're not just going to be for our enjoyment, but they're going to be a prophetic sound that penetrates the atmosphere that says our God reigns and the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our Lord. That darkness is backing up and backing up and backing up. There is no victory 
for evil. There is no victory for darkness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, there is no victory for darkness. And we release the prophetic sound that declares the inevitability of the kingdom of God filling the earth, the knowledge of God filling the earth. We declare that the knowledge of God will fill Spruce Grove. We declare that all depression, all hopelessness, all darkness, all heaviness, all mental anguish in Jesus' name will recoil at the name of Jesus Christ. It will recoil at the name of Jesus Christ. You know, this is not just about being happy. It's about tapping in to a joy that is our strength. You know, this week the Lord spoke to me out of this scripture from Hebrews chapter 1. And it said that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. He said that God actually gave him an anointing of gladness. That gladness was his strength. That's what enabled him to endure all of the trials. But there's a reason why he got it. It says because he hated iniquity and he he hated lawlessness and he loved God's righteousness. He loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God anointed him. And so God is doing this thing in our lives where he is turning our hearts toward him to love righteousness and to hate iniquity. And as that's growing in our lives, the oil of gladness. So, Lord, we say we receive today the anointing of the oil of gladness. Let it fall upon our lives Let it dwarf every sense of challenge, every sense of problems, every sense of the attack of the enemy. God, we say, fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us with the sense that we are overcomers. I just believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to participate in this confidence. You know, so many times in our lives we just allow the problems and the challenges to cascade over us unchallenged. We sort of just wait till they fade. And God's saying, listen, take your stand. Take your stand. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus that God, this too will pass. And I know every one of us has a testimony here, but there are years and years and years where we struggled financially, where things looked bleak and difficult and problems all around and opposition and accusation and criticism. And I did, sometimes I didn't even know what to do. And so I prayed until I could feel that alignment, that this too will pass, until that confidence began to reign, began to seep into my soul. And I began to declare it. And I began to believe it. And I took my stand And it wasn't like tomorrow or the next day. Everything suddenly shifted. But each time I took my stand, something inside of me was solidified. And I was able to begin to participate in the victory of God that we're singing about right now. There is faith that overcomes. There is faith that doesn't look 
at the natural but looks at the spiritual. There is faith that doesn't look on earth but looks in heaven. There is faith that is fixed on the eternal. And as we're worshiping today, we're seeing day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. I felt that this faith that was in our worship began to tap in. And it began to tap into this eternal chorus of worship. And I say in Jesus' name, God, let that eternal chorus of worship begin to cascade cascade down here into the earth. That same confidence that is, is in the eyes and in the disposition of angelic hosts and beasts around the throne of God. Lord, I pray that that strength that is in heaven will begin to fall to your people. There is a victory beyond imagination that God wants us to stand in. And he's saying, listen, if I give you some of it, will you stand in that or will you capitulate? And each time we say, no, I'm going to stand. And each time we stand against that tide of darkness, something, God says, there's the one that's going to be faithful. There's one right there. Listen, just you standing is the victory. Just you not rolling over and dying is the victory. Just you not capitulating to darkness, that's the victory right there. I'm going to give you more. And I believe there are people all around this building, even this week, you've had to stand. You've had to stand against a depression. You've had to stand against just discouragement, disillusionment, and you could turn. But you said, no, I, where else am I going to go, Lord? Well, you have the words of eternal life. Lord, it is hard, but I have nowhere else to turn, so I'm turning to you. So we will take our stand today, Lord. Having the breastplate of righteousness the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, having our loins girded up with truth and our feet shod with the gospel message of peace, we say, we stand today. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it. I'm in for the long haul. One more time. I'm in for the long haul. I am in for the long haul. Amen. Do you know, uh, no, matter, no matter how resilient the enemy seems to be, do you know he doesn't have the endurance of the Word of God? The endurance of the Word of God, the Word of God at work in, inside of you says the Word of God endures forever. And he comes and goes. You know, even when he was attacking Job, he came and he went. He says, where have I been? He says, he's talking to God. He's coming to accuse him. Where have you been? He says, I've been, you know, to and fro of the face of the earth. Because, uh, you know, I can't keep attacking the same people, especially if they're not moved. Sorry. <laughs> right? And so there's this alignment that's growing in our lives. So, Father, I thank you that you are aligning us today with the kingdom of heaven in amazing, amazing ways. But uh, anyway, quite amazing. But there's a number of things that came to light, uh, and I'll I'll share just a little bit from my perspective, then Chris has some things. But uh, one of the things, we went to to a place, it's a heritage site, it's one of the ancient temples. But we're there, and, uh, you know, uh, Chris had been in Angkor Wat in Cambodia, and he was talking about the fact that, that some of these temples had been built around the same time. So you had the Incan civilization, you had the Aztecs. Of course, you know, you had human sacrifice, you had all these kinds of things. And uh, Chris mentioned that around that time, all around the earth, that these things had been built. Uh, And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And as soon as I began to think about that, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about the gods of Egypt. 
And now it's not coincidental that we're going next uh, in December. There's a gathering in December. There's something happening in Egypt that is historical, that is revolutionary. It's going to be a thousand of us meeting in Egypt. Just happened that the uh, president of Egypt met with evangelical Christians a couple of days ago for the first time ever. First time ever. But there's something happening, happening in Egypt. And David Deeming has shared about the gods of Egypt, the, the, how so many of the religious darkness around the world has its around the world has its roots in the gods of Egypt. Anyway, I was at this site, and suddenly the Lord said to me, "This is connected to the gods of Egypt." And even as I'm shaking the gods of Egypt and everything that can be shaken, Peru also will be shaken. Now, there's a demonic system that is global that has uh, brought a canopy of darkness upon nations. And, uh, and as, as I began to think about it, I asked Chris about it. We talked about it a bit, and he did a little research. And we found out that some of these, uh, they're aligned, these temples are aligned around the globe with the Great Pyramid of, of Giza within, get this, it's like one-tenth of an inch or a centimeter or something like that, or one-tenth of a degree uh, globally around the whole world. And they built this almost a 1,000 years ago. I mean, they had no satellites. They had no measuring tools. There, there was no way to do this unless there was some kind of spiritual inspiration to have that kind of alignment. And so God is doing something in the earth today. And uh, so when we were in Cusco, we were, uh, we were I mean, that's, that's sort of incidental, but we, we feel like there's something strategic in that part of the world because of this World Heritage Site that's called uh, Machu Picchu. It's one of these these great heritage sites, but it's symbolic of a system that's being shaken. And one of the, the one of the mandates that we have is to begin to call leaders to begin to walk together. And so when we went there, God did some amazing things. I mean, obviously we had the same kind of meetings with worship and all that, but we called leaders together, and there was an amazing breakthrough as there had been a huge division in the city where. You know, pastors who had walked together and worked together, you know, suddenly became suspicious of one another, started accusing one another, you know, started uh, dividing. You know, does it sound like anything that's ever happened in the world elsewhere? Yeah, it seems to happen over and over and over. But uh, it was amazing how they just began to, and it wasn't like we said, hey, repent for this, but just highlighting God's call to, to unity. And, and uh, it just brought this repentance, and the pastors have committed. They came to the one senior leader that many of them had attacked, and they said, we're sorry. You know, we, we apologize, and there's this new commitment to walk together. So it was really powerful, and we could say a lot about that. But uh, uh, on the level of the meetings, I'll just share one little thing, and then Chris has got a, a bunch of things to share about this. But we had a team with us. I didn't organize this trip. This trip was organized by a friend of ours, actually one of my pre- former Bible college students from Christ of the Nations in, uh, in Langley, who's been down to Peru 23 times. And, uh, and um, anyway, he had arranged this, and he brought some guys with him from, from uh, Langley. One of the guys is a businessman. He's, never, he's not really an upfront guy. He's not even really that charismatic. And, you know, so he was in the meetings, and he kind of mostly watching, not sure what to do. I, I, you know, I know nobody can relate to that. But uh, he's watching the meetings, not sure what to do. And anyway, Chris got him to give up, come up and give his testimony. Never given his testimony in his life. 
And there was a part of his testimony he was kind of hiding. He was a little bit ashamed of. But anyway, it brought a great amount of liberty and found out that, you know, quite a few other people had a similar experience. But what was really cool is the last night of our meetings, I was speaking, and we did a, a fire tunnel. How many of you know what a fire tunnel is? So anyway, we, we lined up our team, and we, we had this, this other fellow. We said, you're part of the team. You need to join. You need to lay hands on people, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, you always have this, where you have some people who sort of manifest that, you know, it's like uh, an angel burps 100 miles away, and they're like, whoo, you know. Uh, you got some of those, right? And uh, uh, so you, you, people are starting to go through this line, and, and you know they're they're and sometimes you you think well how sincere are they is there really this much power and sometimes you get what I call courtesy falls you know what a courtesy fall remember when I went to Poland I would pray for people and and I mean I like it's like Jesus he said he felt power go out from him when I pray for people I feel the level of power that's going out and so I remember going in Poland I'm starting to lay hands I mean I barely feel a trickle I mean almost nothing they're like. I'm like, get up, you know. <laughs> I haven't even given you anything yet. I, so I explained to the Polish people, I, I don't need any courtesy falls. You don't need to make me feel good. You know, I know I have an anointing. Uh, in some cases, it's possibly a demonic manifestation, a spirit that doesn't want to get uncovered. And so, but anyway, uh, so you get this, right? You get some people. Anyway, so I'm, I'm watching our friend because he's, he's not sure about all this. He's not sure about how valid it is, right? And, but there started to be some significant manifestations. But the most precious thing, the most precious thing, suddenly kids started to come through, three and four years old. And I remember the first one that came through. She's like three years old. She's walking down, and she is bawling bawling like and a couple of minutes it was it was amazing i mean sometimes you can wonder about you know if there's another agenda when it comes to adults but children three and four years old walking through a prayer line bawling and and uh one of them after a little older a girl that was seven years old said said that you know when i was prayed for he said i felt this fire i'd never felt before in my belly and uh, so anyway, it was, it was really significant, not just for us and not just for the ones that were prayed, but as I watch people who are maybe not completely sure about certain spiritual manifestations, to see that, and especially to see the children, is so innocent, so genuine, so sincere, is really, really a powerful affirmation. And uh, anyway, the few other things that Chris would like to share... Some of these are important for us to realize because when we send teams, either Cambodia or Guatemala, like Kim and Lynn right now are in Guatemala, and uh, <clears throat> of course they'll, they'll be there again in January and whatnot, but uh, there is something going on that's valid and significant. Mm -hmm. And so, Chris, why don't you come share a little bit? Yeah, this gentleman Mark's talking about is... <laughs> Anyways, you know, we had some very interesting team members. One guy called him the lion the whole time, Leo the lion, right? But uh, this man, uh, just hearing Mark share about him, it gives me goosebumps because we literally got to watch a transformation take place in his life where he came in very much as an observer and thinking, this is pretty wacky and these people, I have no clue what they're doing. It's kind of freaky, you know, to actually getting past uh, the expression and actually uh, beginning to love the heart of the people. And uh, so he found a way to do that. But he did tell me on the last day when we did this fire tunnel 
that every single part of him wanted to run. In fact, he did. He actually ran out of the service at one point, and he was gone, and I thought, he's not coming back. And I sat there, and I thought, too bad, right? And so slowly I see him come walking right back up to the front. And, I mean, these guys grab oil, and they're dousing our hands with oil and this whole thing, and I know this is so out of his realm. And uh, just what he's saying, I watched, I watched his eyes, not when the adults came through, but it was when these kids came through. I watched his eyes go from eyes of like, what are you doing? To tears falling, to this is powerful. Like this is powerful. He wanted to hug these kids. He wanted to touch these kids. And for me, it was, it was a very precious moment that I'm probably never going to forget because it wasn't just about all the church stuff. It was also about this team we had brought and we actually got to see transformation take place in the lives of the leaders, in a sense, that came with us, too. And to me, that was probably one of the highlights of my trip. And, and hearing him share his testimony was amazing because there's no way in the world. Like, he's in his late 50s, I think. Never shared his testimony. First time. Ever. And he actually told me the next day he came up to me and he said, I need to tell you that I told my wife. And she said, she's so proud of me. And he starts tearing up, right? And I said, this is the first of many more. Many more, man. Because it's going to bring freedom to so many people. And he's got powerful testimony. Maybe he'll come one day. But this trip for me, it's so amazing that somehow, I haven't been on a trip, I don't think, with you really before. I went to Israel with Mark. But it was not a ministry trip. It was more around the gathering. Uh, it was amazing that this is the trip I ended up on with him. And uh, one thing I'll say about this group is this group carried everything. I mean, we had every personality on this team you could possibly think of. I swear to you that we had the Argentinian Mr. Bean on our team. <laughs> I, I promise you, this guy was Mr. Bean in every which way. Even when he preached, he was Mr. Bean. You know, his body movements and this. And I'm like, what is he doing? You know, and yet he had such a passion as he preached and the power and the word of God came through him. But this same guy was sick the whole time we were there. And I have such a, what's the word? <laughs> when I come back from teaching heroes, I'm that guy who puts that stuff on my hands to clean them, right? Because I don't want to get sick. And yeah, I don't like germs and all that kind of stuff. Like Howie Mandel, I think he's the guy like that, right? <laughs> Anyways, this guy is so sick, and every time he saw me, Chris, Chris, and he'd walk up to me, and he wouldn't just, he wouldn't just put his, like, this. He was this close to kissing me, and I'm like, he's breathing in my mouth, and it drove me so nuts, but I love, what's his name now? We called him Lauren, Mr. Bean. His real name was Dean. There it is, and he got me sick. Right? I said, he still got me sick. I got me sick, too. Yes. Yes. Okay. Me and Mark had a discussion about this. All right. We had a long one. He said, I brought it on myself. Maybe I did. But we also had a gentleman who was 75 years old. I don't know how long ago his wife passed away, but quite a while ago. And he is now in a relationship with a 60-year-old woman, and he was very proud of it. <laughs> he spent most of his trip on his phone texting her back and forth, and... It was the cutest thing I had ever seen. And this was a Mennonite man. He had been in a Mennonite church his whole life. But he went home anything but Mennonite. 
I mean, this guy was dancing and hugging every single person he possibly could the entire time. And get this, this same guy, we're sitting there talking about some story, and I just thought he had a lazy eye, right? Because his one eye would always drift off or whatever, and I'm like, okay, he's got a lazy eye, whatever. And I said, uh, I can't remember how we got into it, and he started talking about his eye. And all of a sudden, he grabs a fork, and he's like, oh, no, watch. (laughs) He's got a glass eye. I mean... This is the group of guys that led ministry in Peru. you got to think about this. So, and then we got Mark and John, you know. This was the most interesting group in the world. And then we got Jose. And Jose is the guy that set this whole thing up. And I'm telling you, one of the things that... Jose is an amazing man. He's actually going to come to our church here sometime. Jose is Mr. Ultra Evangelist. Ultra evangelist. I mean, as soon as I met him, we met him, I think, in a cab. And he's led the guy to the Lord in three minutes. I mean, this guy led every cab driver to the Lord. I kid you not. I think, except one. In the one cabbie, he didn't lead to the Lord. He actually left his laptop computer and his Spanish-English Bible inside of that cabbie's car. But we must, there must have been 20 cab drivers He led every single one of them to the Lord, all of them. And then we would do ministry in this church and all this stuff, and then we'd go downtown to go eat afterwards. And in a sense, it was like we celebrated what God had done every night. That's what it felt like. Every night we were celebrating what God had done, which was powerful because he did a lot in the church setting. He did a lot. And uh, But, I mean, before we even got to the restaurant, I mean, it sometimes took a half an hour just to get to the restaurant when it was only a minute away because Jose could not not evangelize almost every single person, you know, from the road to the restaurant. It's just who he was. Everybody that went to sell him something, because they were all over the place, he led them all to the Lord. I mean, every single one of them, I think. I, I don't know if there were many he didn't. And so one of the things that I enjoyed so much is I actually got to watch the apostolic function properly. I got to see the prophet. I got to see the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists all function together, not threatened by one another in any which way, blessing one another. And so we had testimonies from the services, but we had testimonies just from going and eating a meal. We had testimonies from going shopping. We had testimonies from riding a cab. Because we actually got to see the fivefold run the way it was meant to run. And to me, this was one of the most beautiful pictures I had ever seen. And we all celebrated one another. Right? I listened to Mark celebrate Jose. Right? You know, he shared it with you guys. You watched the video. 25, 30 people. Well, 22 of them. Jose led to the Lord for sure. Right? There was no question about it. We celebrated it. But yet I watched Jose interpret for Mark and John. And he did it with passion and life and love. And at the end of the services, you know what the Peruans said? That this was the first time in the history of the church that they had a breakthrough like they had in Peru. First time in the history. Right? Which says a lot. And the unity thing was a big thing. Where we watch pastors, like Pastor Mark said, who were completely not walking with one another, all of a sudden grip arms and hold each other basically in a service, which was one of the most powerful things I had ever seen. And we saw things happen in those services that 
I just haven't seen happen in so long on a trip. And I'll say this, we weren't planting churches, but something was being planted, right? The Spirit of the Lord was being planted in churches across Peru, which to me was doing something powerful and amazing because I know what all those pastors are going to do. They're going to change that nation, right? They're in unity finally, right? And we need to pray that that stays because we know the enemy is going to be all over that. But the, the, the season is ripe for Peru. Salvation's going to take place. The church is functioning the way it's meant to. It was one of the most beautiful trips I've actually been on uh, in a long time of seeing everything function the way it was meant to function. So, Father, let's just uh, turn our hearts towards the Lord in terms of what he's doing here. So, God, we thank you that what you're doing in the nations. And, Lord, it is not divorced from what you're doing here in our hearts. And thank you, God, for the mandates in prayer and the mandates you've given us for this region to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Father, I pray, God, that you would further your agenda this day here in our lives. God, to see this community bow its knees and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, side note, when I think about our community, and uh, I, I think about, certainly I think about uh, the physical evidence of the advancement of the kingdom in terms of people being saved. But in addition to that, I envision something else. I envision something like... Genesis 27, where, where uh, Jacob comes and he dreams and he sees angels ascending and descending, and he, suddenly, he wakes up with the epiphany that, hey, this isn't just a place, that this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And, um, and I believe that the nature of the kingdom of God, that it may be evidenced in lives being delivered, etc., etc., but it is not, that never happens without spiritual activity in the realm of the Spirit. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and that's why when uh, Thomas says to Jesus, you are the, the, the Son of God, he says, he says listen, that from this time forward, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That the activity of healing, the activity of salvations, the activity of the Word being preached can never be separated from the infrastructure that is growing on the backside of this thing. It's kind of like a website. You have the, thing, the, you have the part that people, when they dial into your website, they see your photos and everything, but then you got the back end. And the back end makes the front end possible. You know, everybody understand what we're talking about? So we want to see the kingdom of God come. But the question becomes, okay, when it's not coming in the natural, you know, the, the glitches, the problems like your website are always because of what you don't see, right? And so how do we, how do we give, give structure to that? How do we give alignment to that? And that's happening in so many, so many different ways. But this morning when we were worshiping, man, I was just... I was just so blessed because, uh, and I can't remember some of the words we were singing, but suddenly as we were singing some of these words, old themes that I'm, things we're already familiar with suddenly began to be so clear. And I, 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 I was thinking about the, the moment, actually it was the time when we were singing, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. 
I felt like we were tapping into the worship of heaven. I felt like suddenly I could see those four beasts before the throne of God. He says they don't cease saying over and over and over and over. And they're worshiping and they're honoring God. And, and suddenly I began to see this connection between the worship of heaven and the worship on earth. That what God is trying to get, he's trying to get people to, uh, to, to create an opportunity that that atmosphere that's in heaven that causes all of the, the, the tens of thousands of angels that are before the throne of God to, in complete submissive obedience and alignment, begin to say, to you be all the power, all the glory, and all the honor. You know, and we may be saying that tongue-in-cheek down here. We may be saying it because, well, it's in our songs. We may be saying it because it's the thing that we ought to say. But in heaven, when it's being said, it's being said with the full conviction that no, all honor is due. There is this convergence of focus and honor and glory and praise that is given to him day and night, day and night, day and night. And God is, and I felt like God was showing me this atmosphere that's in heaven is coming to the earth that I'm actually creating these lines. And that's why I'm looking for people who worship in spirit and truth, that there is this capacity in heaven to completely align and to, uh, and to forego any, any, any selfishness and all the rest of it. Now, obviously, Satan fell while he was in heaven, so, you know, it's not, it's not compulsory, right? It, it, it is voluntary, Right? Because Satan sort of, he rebelled, and yet that availability of the glory was there. But I'm, I'm thinking this morning, as compared to what is typically available here on earth, what was in heaven, it was just so attractive, like the gravitational pull. You know, I, I just cannot imagine, I don't know, different size stars, you know, and the, you know, the, I think of the physics of this. What are the huge stars? What are they called? White what? White, red giants, white giants. Yeah, the white and red giants. You know, they, when you start looking at the mathematical pull that they have on the universe around them as compared to our tiny little sun, which is absolutely crazy. And I'm thinking all of these things exist because of you, God. And you created them with a few words. And, uh, and imagine the pull in heaven that you have. Imagine, imagine, you know, I mean, these, these dark holes, they, they, they're speculated to be having a, a gravitational pull such that light cannot escape them. And I'm thinking, what is, what is God's gravitational pull? What is, the, what is the energy that focuses towards God? And God is saying, listen, I want this to come to earth as it is in heaven. And as, as we were singing these words, I just suddenly saw the, the 24 elders are casting down their crowns. And I thought, yeah, that obviously, obviously, because when you see that magnificence of who he is, nobody is going to dare say, yeah, but I also, you know, yeah, well, he did that. But, you know, I once picked up garbage without being told, right, you know. Or, I mean, all the things that we glory in, all the things that we, we use to give honor. And, I, you know, we've got these talents, we've got these gifts, we've got these money, or we've got something that's given to us. And then we use that thing and leverage it to the maximum amount to get, to get people to notice us. And I think, I think that is so contrary to what I'm feeling in heaven. That, that in heaven, all of the honor, all of the glory, nobody dares say, hey, did you guys notice me? I sang that song, and it was just so anointed for that half a second. And, and it's like, whatever. 
you know, nobody would even dare. But on earth, we, are, we spend our whole lives trying to maximize our little moment in the limelight. Hey, look at me. <laughs> I'm thinking, how, how, ugh, what a waste of energy. What a waste of energy because, because it's inevitable that every knee will bow. It's inevitable that every tongue is going to be completely submitted in the same way heaven is right now. And I, my heart was like, oh, God, do that. Do that. that. That majesty that's in heaven right now, that I just feel it's like, it's like little raindrops of that essence, that atmosphere is dripping into this room. But, oh, God, if we could have a deluge of that. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, why, why don't we have a deluge of that? And he said, because it's voluntary. This honor, this, this glory, this, this giving of not drawing in, not taking glory, but giving glory is a voluntary thing. And if I give you more glory in the atmosphere than you are able to handle, you'll start using it to bring attention to yourself. And that's really the... The, you know, the, the history of mankind, right? You know, people get a little bit of elevation. They'll get, you know, you became Nebuchadnezzar, right? He couldn't resist it. The Herod couldn't resist it. You know, uh, we can't resist it. Sports stars can't resist it. You know, we get, and I think, I look around the world, and I think everybody got their little fiefdom they're trying to rule over. And like, this is my zone. I'm the king here. And I'm thinking, how futile that we, we try to do this. And I'm thinking, Lord, what kind of commodity, what kind of atmosphere could come into this room that would cause us to never have one of those thoughts again? What, what if we, what if, what is, when is that coming, God? When is that, can, what, what can I do to facilitate that? What can I do to, to ex- accelerate the, the, the atmosphere that where no one even, thinks to honor themselves. I always think of that line in the gladiator it says where the you know Maximus says to the Nero or whoever the emperor was he says the time of honoring yourself is coming to an end. And when I think of the kingdom of God coming to earth I'm thinking of the time of honoring yourself is coming to an end. The time of honoring yourself is coming to an end. And <clears throat> I think, well, what does this have to do with Cusco? What does this have to do with Spruce Grove? What is that? Because when I, when I look at us as one church within our community, I see other churches who, who sometimes are equally occupied with, well, who's going to recognize our place, our role? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, we are being played for fools by principalities and powers. We, as individuals, we are being played for fools by competing and accusing and dishonoring one another. And churches in the community are being played for, for fools by joining in that game when there's, there's a spirit there intent on destroying every single church and we, we get sucked into this game of comparing ourselves with the, these ones. And, and I, I, this morning when we were worshiping, I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, 
How powerful an anointing and a presence God could release on a community if suddenly we decided to not cooperate with that principality and power that's trying to bring division, trying to get us to begin to worship ourselves. What could happen if we begin to align in a city like this? Could this be a prototype for what God wants to do do in cities and provinces and nations around the world? And my heart is crying, oh God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, release this glory here that unites us. And this is my heart and my prayer, and it's the prayer of Jesus. He said, the glory that has been given me, I've given to you, that you may be one as I and the Father are one. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just say, God, bring an alignment. So what is that going to take? What is it going to take for that? For me, I'll tell you what it's taken for me. It's taken hundreds of moments where when I begin to begin anything, well, you don't have this. I have moments where I am self-indulgent. I have moments. uh, My spiritual fathers, I've heard them repent recently for having moments. You know, how is it? I can be insecure. You know, I know some guys who have reputations and names in a, a circle of influence global, and they still sometimes get in a meeting and feel insecure and like they're not important. And I'm thinking, when are we going to be free of this sickness? Right? When are we going to be free of this? And the Lord says, it's a death daily. You must die. And we are dying that daily. Now, I might not be dying to that the same way somebody else is. And you might not have to die to it the same way I am. But uh, I was was thinking about this this morning, and I don't know why, but I was thinking about all the fame that's around. You know, there are famous people more than you, right? Everybody knows that, right? Have you ever heard somebody say this on a show, or don't you know who I am? I, I love, hate that statement, I, I, I love it because it's funny, and I hate it when it's wanting to come out of me. You know, but it's like, it's like, well, who is it you think you are? You know, because no matter how much fame you might have, no matter how much honor might come to you, no matter how much recognition, it doesn't seem to satisfy. And you've got, you got this human ailment where we suddenly, you know, we find some dishonor, you know, this waiter, doesn't he know who I am? I heard recently an NHL star, and his, he was, he was in, a, in this city, and, um, and, and he'd call up for, to get a restaurant, and nobody knew who he was. And he was, like, kind of miffed. And I'm, and I'm thinking, that's that thing. That's that thing. And I think, it doesn't matter how great you become, that thing's still there. And what the Lord is trying to tell me and he's been telling me for years and years, you need to kill that thing. That thing that rises up and says, don't you know who I am? How dare you talk to me like that? Don't you know? I-? That is so dishonoring that you would do that to me. And again, there is, there is a, such a thing as honor. I mean, we should honor our elders. We should honor authority. But the insecurity to notice constantly when I am not being honored and to long for more honor than is presently given to me all the time, I think is a problem. Especially in the light that there's something coming to the earth where all of those, and I I see them as circles, right? Circles of influence, circles of this is my fiefdom, my domain, my king. In this circle, everybody knows my name, and they're always glad I came. 
and they're, you know, and they're, you know, this is, everybody's trying to create that world where, where, you know, hey, when I come in the room, everybody's, hey, happy to see me. Anybody, anybody else have that? Okay, no show of hands. We may not all voice it the same, but that self-centered, I need attention, I need affirmation, I need honor, I need the, 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 the. Freedom is not found through achieving it. Freedom is found through abolishing it. And that's what the death of the cross is really about. Because the death of the cross is even Jesus himself laying down his life, laying down his reputation, laying down himself for the honor of my Father who is in heaven. And so this is what we're growing in. And I, I believe this. I believe that if God could find a group of people that are faithful enough, when, and it starts by, well, how are you going to respond when the guy right next to you is being celebrated and honored and only you knew that he, you did the thing that he's being celebrated for. Everybody ever been tested with that? That's a hard one. It's like, right? Me too. It's like, why does it matter? Man, I don't know. It just does. Well, you know, honors do, right? And we can find all kinds of ways to justify indulging hard feelings, resentments. Instead of saying, Lord, in faith, I release this. And I believe this is what God is trying to do. There's a system on earth where God is challenging me with over and over and over and over. He's saying, listen, Mark, do you believe that I'm keeping the tally? Do you believe that I'm keeping the tally? I know what you've done. Uh, and, and if I know what you've done, and I'm the just judge of all, and I'm the one who's given the medals at the end of the day, does it really matter that in the short term... This guy, you know, pulls some of the stuff toward. Do you know what that's going to get him? Do you really envy that, really? This is the kingdom mindset that God is bringing to us. And this is, this is where, where, God, where the element, the, the heart of faith that Jesus was talking about when he said, he said, listen, God knows everything. And so don't do your righteousness before men that you may be seen because do it before God in secret because he knows. Yeah, but I see other people having moments where others know that they know and it just feels so good. And what's wrong with a little bit of appreciation and, and nothing, nothing wrong. I should be able to honor you and I should be able to bless you and I should be grateful to you and I should... Uh, da, 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 da. The problem is... The expectation of such honor on my side is the breeding ground for division. It is the breeding ground for everything that is contrary to the worship I was seeing in heaven. The atmosphere in heaven, what I was seeing, where everybody was so conscious of God, they couldn't give themselves a moment to be conscious of what part they weren't getting. You know, because in heaven, there isn't this flurry of, hey, what about me? You know, did, did you see me? I was, I was doing the flagging. I don't see that anywhere in Revelations. The four beasts, so yeah, well, he is a beast too, but I'm a much better looking beast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a reason why I'm in the middle of those four beasts. I'm, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but all that stuff just is non-existent in heaven. And God is saying, I want to bring that atmosphere to earth, but I'm, my spirit is coming here to prepare a way 
and prepare a way in you. Can you adopt the same attitude that's in heaven? Can you adopt the same attitude that was in Christ? That's what Paul was saying. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Though, you know, he... He, he were God. He emptied himself. He, 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 didn't, he, didn't, he didn't try to gain or hold on to the reputation, the honor that belonged to him before the foundation of the earth. And he only said, he only alluded to those things even when he preached because he said, I don't even say anything about myself. I only do what I hear the Father say. So even if I say something about me being in heaven before, it's because the Father said to say it. I have no inclination to prove to anybody who or what I am. I am here to serve. Now, I'm not saying this to convict anybody because, I mean, I think we're all guilty. But if you ask the question, what's, what's, what's hindering heaven from coming to earth? I want to say that. That is. That one thing. That's what James is all about. And God is saying, listen, I've got all of this glory. I've got all of this majesty. I've got all this presence. I've got all of this anointing. I've got all of this power that I could put on people if only I could go and find somebody who would empty themselves like Jesus emptied himself. If only I could find one. And we do it, and we do it, but it's like a sliver at a time. Kind of, you know, one layer at a time, one very thin layer at a time. Because dying to our own glory is so very hard. But faith that, and if I could confess something, that the faith that I see growing in my life is increasingly content with the praise that only comes from above. And I know it's in the Scripture, and I've always said it because it was in the Scripture, and I believed it because it was in the Scripture, but I see something in my life settling into, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that guy thinks I'm this. It doesn't matter if that. The only one that, whose opinion that matters is God. Paul said the same thing. He said, listen, he said, I, I'm, not even, I'm not pretending I've, I've arrived. And I'm not even aware of anything particularly that needs to be changed. But I'm, I, but I'm suggesting this. Don't judge before the time. Because whatever you may think is wrong with me right now, he's saying to his accusers, he says, I'm not finished. I'm still on a journey myself. I'm not, I'm not being pretentious in being an apostle or doing all these things. I am submitted to him, and he is dealing with me. What you guys think of me doesn't even really matter. I'm just trying to be faithful. I love that comfort level that Paul had with that, because I can honestly say that comfort level has not always been mine. I have striven that's a word. Strived, strived did it for attention. For you know, especially when I was a young man in ministry, I thought, oh, that anointed man. If only he would take me under. I could probably skip ten years in the wilderness if he'd take me under his wing and you know tell everybody how great I am. God, tell that guy to tell everybody that I'm the next him. That'll fix everything. Apparently not. <sighs> There's coming a weight of glory, a majesty of 
God on earth as it is in heaven. That is so amazing. So amazing. And my prayer today is that that we would we would align ourselves to say, God, uh, accentuate, increase. God, do something in my life and in my heart today that would cause me to be eager to die to my own glory, that would, would relish an opportunity. You know, when the disciples, they were beaten, and it says, then they rejoiced and they felt honored to suffer the same way Jesus suffered. I don't think I'm there yet. I think I would be going right to the police, looking for justice. And not that that's wrong, but there's a rejoicing. They rejoiced in the sufferings because there was an alignment that happened there. And I think there's something there we don't know about, particularly in our culture. Maybe the Egyptians, maybe the Chinese have tasted some of this, but we haven't. God, we ask for an acceleration in our lives. God, we ask, Lord, that that we could have this mind that was in Christ Jesus, who uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet he emptied himself. He, he, he gave himself to having no name, no reputation. Father, we pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, you would do something in our midst. Oh, God, Lord, where we can honor and appreciate and love one another and yet completely humble about what it is that we carry, what it is, that, whether it's an apostolic anointing. Father, you, you have said again and again that you want to do something in this church for this region. And Father, every time you begin to give this church what you've called to give it, Father, division rises from the midst of us, Lord, because, Lord, the fifth column is glory to ourselves. And as soon as that begins to happen, Lord, there begins to be a resistance. You begin to resist the pride of man. And, Father, so it's two steps forward and three steps back. But we say, Lord, we declare that these days are coming to an end. God, that this vain cycle of missing the mark, of missing the mark, of beginning to worship ourselves and beginning with to think we're this or that, God, we believe we believe that you're going to do something in this community, for this community, for Parkland County, for the city of Edmonton. And God, I pray that the grace to begin to look at the region around us and the, the heavens opened and people beginning to be saved and delivered. It has nothing to do with us. Oh God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just begin to reach out to God in the context of this journey because it might be playing out collectively for us as a church, but it's being played out in every life, in every home, in every marital relationship, in every workplace. 
these same dynamics which cause the kingdom of God the kingdom of darkness to be manifest and to begin to bring destruction to people's lives we are we are saying god we want we want to turn against this we want to be free we want to bring your kingdom but we're saying to you god we keep getting snared we keep getting snared we keep getting snared lord god i'm asking for a paradigm shift in the body I'm asking for things to shift that have been in place for a long time. I see, God, that you want to remove the monetary value, the substance of currency. I'm seeing this picture that you want to take us back to the cottage industry where we don't have this false thing that can be replaced for goods and services, that we actually have to go back to a place of exchanging goods with each other, with other bodies and other people. We can't place this uh, piece of paper as some sort of value, but you want to take it from goods. I see the cottage industry being restored between the body of Christ, between the churches. We can't buy the things that the other churches carry. We actually have to combine together and go arm in arm we can't buy it it's false we actually need to take what our goods and our services are and we need to share them and we can't oh i just see this picture of money being burnt it's like this false thing that we think we can accumulate wealth through this currency but god you're stripping it away the stock market is crashing down it can't hold up anymore in the body of christ this false structure that's come into place god it's beyond my understanding but i believe you're giving a revelation for what you want to do in the body of christ there's things that we do in the world in the church that you want to strip down and you want to break Oh, God, I ask that now would be the time that you would do that. I ask that right now would be the time that you would do that. Oh, God, we're crying out for a paradigm shift. We need you. We need access to heaven. We need access to the sound of heaven that you're, you're, you're going, that's going on there. And so we ask that whatever it takes for that shift to happen, just like last week you showed me the cracks in the foundation, God. I believe you're stripping it down to the bare bones, and this can be scary, but oh God, we lay it down. We lay it down and we die to ourselves. Whatever that looks like, God, we lay it down. Oh God, our structures. Oh God, paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. Oh God, oh God, paradigm shift. I'm calling out for that. I'm speaking that word all week, all week. Paradigm shift, paradigm shift. Thank you, Lord. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires that uh, war in your members? You, you desire, you long for, you lust, you want, and you do not have. You're willing, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, you're willing to murder and you covet, but you can't obtain... You fight and you war, you strive, you reach, you steal, yet you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask but don't receive because you're asking because of lust, desires, inappropriate desires inside of you. He said, don't you understand? Don't you understand that this is a kind of friendship? You are in alignment with the world around you because this is what they do. Don't you understand, he's saying in James, and I've called you to something different. 
So, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that saddling up and joining yourself with this system of the world causes enmity of God to be provoked? Therefore, whoever wants to be the friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. When you align yourself with this system of covetousness and longing and drawing the praises of men in order to have more honor, you're actually aligning yourself with a different spirit. But his, all the same time, his spirit yearns over you and camps over you and is jealously looking for a people who will give him all the honor and all the glory. Therefore, he resists those that engage in such striving, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God in this way. Then when you resist the devil, he'll flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, because there's a part of you that wants some of that system, and there's a part of you that doesn't. And there's this duplicity inside of you, And I'm coming to heal you. I'm coming to make you whole. I'm coming to unify your hearts that you would desire this one thing and this one thing only, that I would be glorified, that I would be magnified, that all the honor and all the power will be mine, says the Lord. Therefore, lament and mourn and weep. Cry out to me that this thing in your midst, this thing in your heart will be broken once and for all. Once and for all, there's a work that I'm going to do by my spirit when you cry out to me. When you become so sufficiently sick and tired of this duplicity in your life, I'm going to change you. I can do a work. I am doing, going to do a work in my people in the last days where they will not find any of this spirit in their midst. I am going to extinguish this, says the Lord, from the midst of my people. Humble yourself in my sight, and I will lift you up. And so what do you do from here? Don't speak evil of one another, brethren. Because he who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother and speaks evil of the one who gave the law and the law itself. And if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. But there is one who gives the law, one who has given the law, who's able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Stop doing that. That's not the spirit that I've given you. Father, I pray that the book of James would open to us as a people that we'll see that the thing you are doing in the hearts of the first generation is the same thing you're doing now. The same thing you're doing now. That you jealously yearn and desire to do this thing in our midst. So we say, Lord, help Help us, help us, help us, help us, God. We want to be immune. We want to be immune to this thing that comes over the communities in northern Alberta that brings division, one church against another. God, we want, we want to be free. We want, when that spirit comes around again, to be able to stand united as a community of, of faith and say, no, not in our house. Now. I've just paraphrased James chapter 4. This is what God is doing in us. And he's saying, I want to give you incremental authority and power in my presence. I am, I am yearning. I'm looking for a prototype city in Canada. 
I'm looking for a prototype people who allow me to bring my exacting, diligent, excellent workmanship to a community. So we say, Lord, let it be us. We choose to begin to align. And it's as simple as as recognizing the impulse to curse is not from God. That's what he says in chapter 3. He says, listen, you guys, there's blessing and cursing coming from you. There's ill will towards this guy and that guy and that guy, and you justify it because of this and this and this. But let me tell you, that's not me. That's not me. And this ought not to be. And so we're saying today, I'm not going to justify thinking evil of my brother, of another church, of da 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 I'm not, my, I'm, I'm not the boss of that other church. I'm only the boss of me. I can only decide what I'm going to tolerate in me and what I'm not going to tolerate in me. So, Lord, I pray that this disposition would be ours. <laughs>